Welcome to another week of the Uproar Podcast, where we believe that the power of God is still moving and changing a generation. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the Uproar Podcast. We love having you. I'm Cody, and joining me today is Mackenzie. Look, she's been a part of the ministry since she was like 13 years old. She went through internships. She actually was on staff running part of conference for, what, two, three years mm-hmm. as the admin. And now she's actually on staff full-time at our church as the worship director at 22 years old? Yes. At 22 years old. And she's going to share with you real quick something that God has laid on her heart recently. So make sure you listen to the whole thing. Make sure you take notes and make sure you apply a something out of this. Because I, I promise you, it'll be life-changing. And share it. Like it, let people know. If you if this resonates with you, go ahead and let us know what God is doing in your life with it as well. All right. So yes, like he said, um, my name is Mackenzie. I've been here with his tab for a while. Um, I know that one of the most frustrating parts about our walk with God can be um, winning souls, and it's the most important part of our walk with Jesus. We can be gifted and talented. Um, we can go to church and have our lives set up by God and prosper, and that's absolutely amazing. But what we really want to do is bring in salvations. The word says that if we're not growing the kingdom, then all of the works that we've built up in our entire life will be burned up like the chafe. Um, and I don't want any of my works burned up. The only things done for Christ will last. And what can we do for Christ? What more value can we add to his kingdom but winning souls? Um, and that can be really, really frustrating at times. It can be really nerve-wracking. Um, and one of the most important things that we can do um, to witness correctly is to step into the shoes of somebody who may be unsaved. Um, sometimes we can get into an environment where we're in church for a long, long time and we're around church people a long, long time. And whether we recognize them or not, you know, it's not our place to judge, but a lot of people have that ministry face. Yes, everything's going perfect, perfect smile, church hug. Um, and then we don't see any of their dirt. And if we get, um, too close to only ministry people, only church people for a long time, then we disconnect ourselves too much from the world. We try to go out to witness to somebody, maybe a family member, maybe the Holy Spirit is prompting you in the grocery store to go witness to somebody. And then we do it all wrong. Um, that can be very frustrating. You know, if the gospel works and if the Bible's for everybody, then why is it sometimes when we go out to witness or win a soul that they don't respond, right? I carry the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the most powerful thing that we can possess. Um, and yet sometimes it seems like our methods aren't working. It can be really frustrating. It can be really discouraging. Um, and there are a few things right from the word of God that, um, the Holy Spirit just dropped on the inside of me and pointed out that we can witness in the wrong way sometimes. Sometimes we can do everything right and salvation is ultimately a person's choice, right? Nobody can choose for you if you're going to live for Jesus or not. Nobody can choose for you if you're going to respond to the Holy Spirit. So sometimes no matter what we do, we can have um, the perfect conversation. We can pray before we go to witness to somebody. We can even give them a prophetic word, hallelujah, blah, 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 and it doesn't work because salvation is a person's choice. But if it's constantly not working, it's not the gospel's fault. It's not the Holy Spirit's fault. He wants those people saved more than you. So um, sometimes it comes down to us and our methods. Um, the first thing that I wanted to point out is in John three twenty. This is in the NLT. It says, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. 
Um, all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for their sins will be exposed. How many times have we heard of um, people who are unsaved or that used to go to church and now they're not, they used to be saved and now they're not their first thing. Oh, I don't want to go there because all of those judgmental people, you know, the walls are going to come collapsing in on me. If I walk in there, what they're really saying, if you think about it, if you hear their words is that they're afraid that their sin is going to be exposed. A lot of people don't like to go around church people and it's because of that light not church people save people um if somebody really has the holy spirit on the inside of them it's either going to attract people or it's going to deflect people and those people that are being deflected they're being deflected because of that fear because they're afraid that somehow their sins are going to be exposed listen if you're unsaved watching this listen we don't know what's going on okay we're not mind readers our job is to love you our job is to give you um exactly what jesus is talking about in this next point our job is to introduce to you jesus our job is not to sit here and point out your sins um it can feel like that that's the conviction of the holy spirit it's a good thing some people are very afraid of it some people feel like they're being condemned it's really really funny if somebody unsaved um, walks up near you and they immediately start watching their mouth, their language. Has you ever experienced that? They start cussing and whatever. And then they'll say, oh, oh my gosh. And maybe they don't even know that you're Christian. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And people are afraid of that. And it says it right here. I'm not making this up. John 3, 20. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed verse 21 but those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what god wants so if you are doing what's right if you're in the will of god you're going to want to be around other saved people you're going to be want to be around the ministry and come to church so sometimes again like i said before it's really really hard to understand where the world is coming from and where unsaved people are coming from and their perspective when we constantly surround our people with nothing but saved people. That's not our job. Our job is not to keep the anointing and the power that we have within our four walls. I love church. I love being here. I love the family of God, but our job is to pour that out on the unsaved people. And if we do it too aggressively, if we do it with too much boldness, if we do it in the wrong manner without gentleness and kindness, they're already afraid right here it says it again for fear their sins will be exposed the world is already a little bit intimidated because we have the holy spirit and they're afraid that their sin is going to be exposed and it's not our job to expose our sin the light does that for them our job is not to bring conviction it's not to point out people's sin it's not to tell them everything that they're doing wrong that judgment is up to the word of God, it is up to the Holy Spirit and it's up for them to find out themselves and respond to the Holy Spirit. You do not want to get people to respond to your condemnation because you know what they're going to say? They're going to say, oh, well, I knew it just like I've always heard and just like I've always, always experienced um, that, you know what, church people are nothing but judgmental and they're hypocrites. I know that they have stuff wrong in their life too. And just because they go to church, they think they're better than everybody else. That's the response you're probably going to get with an unsafe person. If you come up to them and start with condemnation, you start trying to convict them. That's not what our job is to do. Our job is to offer what Jesus offered. And what did he offer the woman at the well? In John 4, the Samaritan woman, it's really, really interesting is that if you go through the progression of their conversation, um, it's amazing about what actually happens and why she actually comes to know who Jesus is. So let's start in verse 9. So John 4, 9. 
The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So back in that day, Jews did not talk to Samaritans. They were um, two culture groups that had absolutely nothing to do with each other. And Jesus was a man, and the Samaritan woman was a woman. And if you weren't married to the man that you were talking to, you don't talk to that man. Or if you weren't married to that woman, you don't talk to that woman. Those were just the culture, the cultural boundaries that Jesus had to break in order to get her soul saved. That's the first thing you want to do, is that... If you have anything up in your head and you're making assumptions based on culture, you know, if Holy Spirit is leading you to go speak to somebody who obviously looks like they're from the Islamic faith, it doesn't matter. That's a culture bar- That's a cultural barrier that has to be broken. Um, God wants all people to come to him. So if we go in there and we say, oh, well, I bet this person won't come to salvation because they're Islamic or I bet this person won't come to salvation because they're maybe they're obviously Jewish and maybe they just don't believe in the Messiah or they're from some other culture that's not typically Christian. You're already allowing that assumption to get into your head. And like the word says, they're already afraid of the light. So we don't want to have those um, those preconceived notions about people in our minds just based on the culture, because if Jesus could break down cultural barriers to spread his gospel, then so can we. And we live in America. There's a ton of people around from different cultures. So don't allow that to stop you from trying to witness to somebody. So verse 10, Jesus replied, if you knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. In verse 11, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. And where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and animals enjoyed? So Jesus says, I have living water for you and you would never thirst again. He says that down more um, in the passage. If you, uh, if you take the living water that I have to give you, you'll never have to come back to this well ever again. And isn't that the, what the world is craving for? The world is craving love and acceptance and kindness and the spirit of God, that unconditional love. That is what the world is craving. And sometimes they just don't understand it, but they try to fill it with worldly methods. This woman has her rope and her bucket. That's all she knows. And she knows that... Her whole family and her whole village always go to this well and draw water out of it every single day. And that's so much like the world. If you want love, go get a boyfriend and maybe the relationship will work out and whatever. And if it doesn't work out, then hey, go get another one, right? Go right back into that well. Hey, if no one's giving you attention, if no one's telling you you're beautiful today, then why don't you just post this selfie, put a little extra cleavage in there and go get 80 likes on Facebook and then do it again because that high is going to leave. And then do it again because that high is going to leave. Go right back into that well, get your rope in your bucket and get it just like the day before. Those are the methods that the, the world is telling these poor lost people that that's what's going to fulfill them. And obviously it's not going to fulfill them. That's why drugs don't work for people. That's why um, drinking doesn't work for people. That's why people who think that they have to go out and give their bodies away, that's why it doesn't work for them because they're using worldly methods. And this woman said... You don't have a rope or a bucket and this well is very deep. So she identified right then that Jesus was not using the same methods that the world was using to get this living water. So I have a question for you. Can the world see that you are using different methods to get your everlasting joy, to get your peace, to get your financial prosperity, to get hope, to get faith? Can they see that you're not using the same methods? If you are going on social media and you are just a thirsty social media attention grabber, 
but you're trying to witness to other people that Jesus can give you that attention and Jesus can fulfill you and he can um, give you all of the emotional support and fulfill your emotional needs, but you're over here thirsty on social media, these people are not going to come up to you saying, wait a minute, you don't have a rope or a bucket. You're using the same rope in a bucket. You're using these exact same methods to get what the world is getting. And it's probably not working for you either. The world has to be able to look at your life as an example and recognize that, hey, these people over here that have real success and real joy and real peace are not using my methods. If they can look at you and you blend in with the world, if they can walk into your house and see that it looks the same, you have the same stuff, um, you use the same language, you dress the same way, um, if you blend in with the world, they're not going to want to receive this living water that you're, going to get, that you're trying to give them. Why? Because you don't have the same results. Um, that's very, very important is that you don't want to look like the world and preach Jesus. They're not going to want your Jesus, um, unfortunately. So if you're trying to witness to somebody, maybe it's somebody that you know personally. Sometimes that's really, really hard. If you're trying to witness to somebody um, that, whoa, where was I going with that? Oh, if you're trying to witness to somebody and they've known you for a really long time, maybe they've known you since high school and you used to use the world methods, but now you don't. Um, are you different enough from who you used to be that they can see that you're not using the same rope in the same bucket that they're using? Um, definitely if you're elbow deep in sin, they're not going to listen to you. That is the wrong way to try and lead somebody to salvation. If you're out at the bars, if you're sleeping around just like them, if you're using the same type of language, you're using the same rope in the same bucket to get that water. That's not living by the way. You're not receiving that living water. You're kind of, um, I mean, I don't really know what the word is. Probably somebody could tell me in the comments or something. Um, you're offering something that you don't even have. It's kind of like you're lying almost. Um, so Jesus says, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Um, and she says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come down here to get the water. So Jesus offered her what she was looking for with eternal life. Um, the next part of it goes into, she says, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you've had five husbands and you're not even married to the man that you're living with now. You've certainly spoke the truth. So Jesus did not call out her sin or call out her lifestyle to condemn her. He didn't do it to judge her. He did it so that she would have faith because the next part says the woman calls him a prophet. You must be a prophet in verse 19. So if by chance there's a need to say, hey, you're not living the wrong or you're not living the right way. I can see that you're in sin that you know you can't get out of. We cannot present that. I mean, it, it may be the truth. We cannot present it in a harsh way. We cannot do it to use it for condemnation. People who are in sin, some of them don't recognize it in sin and some of them do. But we don't need to be the ones to distinguish that. Um, we need to be able to love people into the kingdom of God. And Jesus here, he, he said it. He said it. You're right. You don't have a husband for you have five husbands and you're not even married to the one that you have now. First of all, he's Jesus. So he can say that. Second of all, he didn't use it because he wanted to condemn her or to stone her or to make her feel bad about her lifestyle. What he wanted to do was instead present her with the opportunity for eternal life. And that's really what we need to do, especially if it's not our job to convict. Remember what I said before, our job is not to convict people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. We don't even need to do that with our words. 
We really don't. Like I said before, when unsafe people get around you, they may start to get uncomfortable. They may start even trying to check their own sins. That's not you. That's the Holy Spirit doing the Holy Spirit's job. Our job is to love people into the kingdom and present them with eternal life, with Jesus. We need to start talking to people about how Jesus is the one who can meet those emotional needs, who can meet um, their needs for joy and peace and acceptance and love. That's what we need to be presenting, just like Jesus did. She said she wanted to come to this well every single day and get water. And he said, no, I have living water that I can give you. Um, we need to be doing the same thing with unsaved people. Okay. At the end of it, Jesus said, um, Jesus says a bunch of other things. And then at the end, she said, well, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who was called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah in verse 26. So in verse 28, it said, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to tell the village about everything. So when people really come to salvation, they're going to leave behind their old methods of trying to gratify themselves with what they need. And they're going to go and run and tell people about the name of Jesus. Right here, it says the woman left her water beside the well. So when people when people you interact with, when you get them to the point of, hey, this person might be able to be saved, the way you're going to be able to tell is by their actions, mostly. Are they going to continue to use the methods that the world is giving them? Are they continue? Do they continue to grab that rope and grab that bucket and go down in the same well every single day? Are they still thirsty on social media? Are they still running around chasing boys and girls? Are they still using drugs and alcohol? Or are they leaving aside those methods and running with the name of Jesus and starting to tell people? Because that's the mark of a true Christian, somebody who really understands the name of Jesus, somebody who really understands the goodness of God will not be able to keep it on the inside for long. They won't. Um, the word says here also in verse 36, John 4, 36, the harvesters are paid good wages and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. So the whole goal of creating disciples of Jesus is to create disciples that make more disciples, right? You don't want to lead someone to salvation and then just leave them behind. You want them to be able to start making disciples of their own. And then those people start making disciples. Um, and right here, it says that the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. So finally, if, um, if you're leading somebody to Jesus and they do finally accept him, then you, you know what? We've done everything right. You know, we understand that because they're already afraid of that light, just like in John 3, um, we present the gospel in love. We don't condemn them. We offer them um, Jesus, who is really the one who can allow them to set aside all of their worldly things and their worldly methods and just take his name and run with it. Now, how can we even tell that they're actually saved, right? Sometimes it's an overnight process. Um, some people are really miraculously changed um, right there at the altar. They throw away drugs, absolutely no um, withdrawal symptoms. That happens because God can work miracles. Sometimes it doesn't. So how can you really even tell? Um, you can tell because they start spreading the gospel themselves. And that's exactly what this woman did, was that as soon as she had revelation of who Jesus was, then she went out and told people. And she won an entire village and um, spread her faith in an entire village, ended up believing in Jesus, which is absolutely amazing. Um, Sometimes it takes time 
to get people to understand who Jesus is. I know that there's a lot of times, you know, in your walk with Jesus, everybody comes to new points of, wow, I guess this is who Jesus really is. And then another thing happens and wow, I guess this is who Jesus really is. Um, but working with new salvations specifically, people take time. We cannot, we cannot just walk up to people and say, oh, you really need Jesus because of this sin in your life. And then they don't respond. Well, how many times has somebody had to pour into you over and over and over again? How many different times has somebody had to present that living water to you before you finally got it? One of the most important things that we can do is not give up on people. We cannot give up on people because the world has already given up on them. We have no idea what backgrounds they come from. Um, and that's the most important thing. You know, Jesus never gave up on us and we can't give up on people. So let's recap. That was a lot of talking. One, working with new salvations, it can be really, really scary. Um, and it can be really intimidating, especially if you're going out and soul winning. But the thing is, is that they're afraid to, just like in John says, it says that they're afraid to come near the light for their, for their sins will be exposed. So what we don't want to do is going around exposing people's sins because that's whose job? The Holy Spirit's job. That's what's job? That's the word of God's job. So our job is not to expose people's sin. What we want to do is make sure that number two, our lives do not look like their lives, that we're not using the same methods that they're using because you won't see any fruit if you're running around doing the same things that the world is doing and then expecting to get different results and expecting them to see something different in you because they won't. And finally, just don't give up on people because once they understand the name of Jesus, once they understand that Jesus is their savior, they're going to leave aside that bucket and they're going to run with the name that truly satisfies them. Um, I hope that you got something out of this. I hope that you're encouraged by it. I hope that you can kind of understand the different perspectives of um, people who are already saved versus the world. And I hope that this um, really encourages you to go out and try and get more people saved. Look at our social media things, theuproar.org. That's our website, theuproar.org. We also have our Facebook page, Instagram page. There's going to be a lot of new stuff that's released. Um, again, my name is Mackenzie, and I hope you are blessed. And that concludes another week of the Uproar Podcast. We want to invite you to share this podcast on all social media platforms and help us spread the good news of the gospel. Also, you can subscribe to this podcast for updates on all of our latest content.